We've all heard about burnout before. And to be honest, most of us have probably experienced it at one time or another. But as a leader, can you recognize the signs of burnout in your team members? If you do experience burnout within your team, how do you unearth its root cause? If you're suffering from burnout, how do you balance your desire for high performance with the need for self-care? And how do you talk with your manager about your experience? We're going to explore those questions and more in today's podcast, which is part of a series in partnership with Tomorrow Zone. Today, Deborah Rubin interviews Rachel Sheeran, a burnout expert and certified professional behavioral analyst, award-winning keynote speaker, event MC, and forthcoming author of Happy Success, How to Battle Burnout and Win at Work, Life, and Legacy. Rachel is also the co-founder of The Magnet Method, an employee retention and engagement consulting firm. And of course, most of you know Deb Rubin, who is founder and CEO of Tomorrow Zone, a consulting firm inspiring both futuristic thinking and action to innovate in equipment finance and beyond. Tomorrow Zone works with leaders and teams who want to leverage technology to drive innovation, enhance customer experience, and grow their businesses. If you want to quickly comprehend the current state of your processes and technology to reveal the big picture and reimagine for the future while uncovering non-obvious profit potential and open new growth options for your business, Tomorrow Zone can help. If you feel stuck in the status quo and need a fresh perspective, Tomorrow Zone can be a strategic thought partner to help you see around corners and create short-term wins with long-term scalability in mind. Learn more at tomorrowzone.io. Before Deb and Rachel begin, I want to tell you about Monitor Suite, the, cons the content subscription service equipped for the equipment finance industry. Monitor Suite has been a key project that my team has been working on that features high quality streaming series and the very first equipment finance documentary series reels. Monitor Suite members have 24-7 access to our entire library of in-depth data reports dating back to 1992, videos, members-only live stream events, exclusive articles, and much more. For more information, visit monitordaily.com suite. Monitor Suite was a project that I started working on during my time in cohort two of Stripe's leadership program, which just happens to be today's podcast sponsor. Stripes is the leadership development program for the equipment finance industry. This 10-month program launches with a three-day intensive transformational program and also includes master talks and master workshops from notable industry and leadership experts, working cohort groups with other industry professionals, outcome-driven development sessions, and much more. Stripes has been a phenomenal experience for me, and I encourage you to learn more about the program by visiting stripesleadership.com. I'm so excited to share with you my friend, Rachel Sheeran. She is enthusiastically studying burnout. And that is something that I think all of us have dealt with personally, professionally, especially over the last two plus years with all the crazy going on in the world. In my work across the industry and in innovation and digital transformation, I often encounter leaders and team members who are struggling with burnout. What can we do about it? How can we help ourselves and our teams to avoid burnout or recognize the signs early so that we can do something about it and improve the human experience? Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Shout out to everyone listening and reading. 
how would you describe what it is that you do and who you are? Yeah, great question. And I'll tell you, Deb, if this was five years ago, I'd tell you that I'm a burnout prevention and employee engagement consultant. I would tell you that I am an MC and a keynote speaker, and I have this viral TEDx talk on burnout and success. Today, I'm more likely to start with, I am really enthusiastic about travel. I believe the future is better than it is today. And I have the ability, we all have the ability to make the future better. I would tell you that I love margaritas on the rocks with half salt. It just is almost impossible for me to be sad or anyone to be sad while drinking one, especially on a beach. I'm a pit bull dog mom. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm so many other things than what I do. And I say this because when it comes to burnout, the statistics show Americans identify themselves with work. And the past few years have really reminded us that everything changes, that you can wake up one day and you can go to sleep at night and everything in your world could be different, especially your identity, what it says on your business card, what you post on LinkedIn. Nothing's really guaranteed. I'm coming from a place where I'm passionate about burnout because I loved my career and I loved my team and I loved crushing sales numbers and growing and exceeding just everything. You'd set a goal. I would say, you know what, why don't we take that to the third power and watch me do it backwards and heels? And there's got to be more to life than that. And what we're seeing is that the majority of Americans, yes, they do identify with their work, but over 24% in the recent Gallup poll, 24% of Americans say they are actively unhappy in their life. And Deborah, I don't know if you feel like this, but when high performers specifically become unhappy, it spills into everything. When you're unhappy in life, you might escape to work. When you're unhappy at work and you identify as your job, oh, it can spill into everything. And that's why I'm on a personal mission to create cultures that are really burnout preventative cultures, that are happiness boosting cultures. And also to just normalize the fact that burnout happens to high performers. Burnout happens to people who care way too much. What was the catalyst that led you down this path to get so excited about studying burnout? Yeah, I wish I could tell you that I was piqued by a curiosity or maybe met someone. In reality, I had gotten a promotion, which I had begged for, and I had gotten a corner office, six-figure salary. I was winning awards. Everything on the outside looked great. And on the inside, honestly, I was a mess. I was crying on the way to work. I was crying on the way home. And what got me passionate about really talking about burnout was I had a meltdown at work. And I, in one fell swoop, lost my income, quit on a team that I loved and cared for, that I built myself. I had left a career, a legacy, a reputation, my association, my colleagues, which by the way, my colleagues at the time had become my friends. And because I was so in love with being that high performer and that go-getter and that overachiever, I let burnout take hold of me. We're speaking in the year 2022. Rewind five years ago, burnout, and depending on the culture of your organization and industry, burnout can still be a dirty little secret that's whispered about. And more than that, it's a dirty little secret that I wasn't even whispering about. 
I was trying to outwork my burnout. I was trying to outsucceed my burnout, outbuy my burnout. All that money that I made in those years, it funneled exactly into escaping or trying to self-care my way out of feeling so bad. There are no amount of massages and pedicures that can help burnout. And that's a misconception, especially for women who often look as self-care is a, a little too close to the word selfish. And I think we should cut off the self and say care. I think oftentimes with friends, colleagues, leaders, CEOs that I work with, if we think about caring, it's so obvious what we should do. When we add the word self-care onto it, it becomes prickly for many of us that have been taught to put others before ourselves. That pain is a cost of success. And all of that is not true. We know what they say on the planes about the mask going on before you help others. God forbid, I never want to go down on a plane like that. But I've been on a plane where the masks have dropped. Not one woman in my vicinity did what they tell you to do. The instinct was so real to put it on anyone. People were getting up and helping strangers, much to the flight attendant's concern. They were like, please no, sit back down. This is not what we need at this moment. And everything turned out fine in that scenario. But I don't think I needed to be on that plane to know that's what people were gonna do, especially women who society tells us to be both a powerhouse and soft, to be the Mother Mary and also the Mary Magdalene. And all of this dichotomy that women often play with, right? We hear that men are praised for their leadership skills while the same skills in women are put down in negative ways. Burnout, it came for me. When I quit my job and my income and all those other things, I lost all my quote unquote friends. It leaves you in a very big space of if not this, then what? And I went through what, St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul. I was stumbling around because two things were true. And I think maybe two things might be true for a lot of your listeners out there. Number one, I didn't want to not high perform. It wasn't the workload that got me to burnout. I like working hard. I like building teams. I like seeing success. I certainly like having nice things and we need money to do that. But I couldn't figure out the connection between why I felt so bad, why the things I loved had hurt me. And also, if not this, then what? Could I have a different identity? Could I move on from it? This wasn't just changing industries. This was changing how I operated as a leader, as a friend, as a business owner, which I would eventually come to be. I love this Michelle Obama quote. She says that when the door of opportunity opens and you walk through it, make sure you pull someone through with you. And that really hit home because I am somebody who's walking through doors of opportunity. And I have the ability to write a better burnout story, to prevent burnout, to build a culture of happiness and success for everyone that comes through the door behind me. And that might be my first call out to leaders listening is we oftentimes underestimate our influence and we influence every Zoom we walk into. We influence every room we walk into. What are you discovering about burnout trends and causes and remedies? And is it different for men versus women? Yeah, I think it starts with us culturally. A 2022 Gartner study that says people are more, they're more unhappy. 
unfortunately. The same study backed by the University of Chicago said 18% of people were unhappy in 2020. You rewind just two years, 2018, they're saying 13%. Now, in 2022, 24% of Americans reported they're not too happy in life. But that's at the core of the employees and the team members and the coworkers and co-leaders we're working with. It's one out of four of them are not too happy with their life. Then you look at other studies. Gartner said 50% of employees have different expectations than before the pandemic for their employers. And that's huge. So one out of two employees need or expect something different from employers. And that's wild because I think it's, a, it's an area of innovation, area of opportunity, but it's also very scary. I've got six nieces and nephews. And when I'm hanging out with them, I'll say, what do you want for lunch? And they're like, pizza from New York City. And I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So pizza from New York City is not on the available menu. These children, they have no clue what they want. They just maybe have invented this or we were watching The Secret Life of Pets or whatever it is. I wish adults were different, but I think a lot of times you ask somebody what they want and they just don't know, which is why we have oftentimes a financial conversation, right? I want more money which is fair and valid, but it's actually more than that. Money doesn't buy happiness. It just buys you better clothes to cry in. And so when we talk about if employees have different expectations, this is where it's on leaders to say, are we having those conversations? Not to ask, what do you want? But to help teach people and create a safe environment for people to say, oh yeah, I think this. Do you think this or this? Oh, maybe this. It's part of our role as leaders and influencers in our communities to help people think it through. And it's definitely different for women because the fact of the matter is that burnout, as it's defined, is there's so many different definitions, but I would say exhaustion and cynicism and fatigue, apathy. It can be a number of things. Those are some of the symptoms, but it really is when love goes out of your work. And the truth is that women do the most paid and unpaid work right now in our economy. Child rearing, caretaking, coordinating meals. How about just keeping a house clean? And when you think about unpaid work, there's not only a different expectation, but there's also this assumption that unpaid work is somehow not susceptible to negative thoughts. And that's not true. When you're caretaking for someone, there is caretaker fatigue that can come in. Prolonged illnesses can have you burned out. It doesn't mean that you don't love that person. It means that there's a possibility of resentment growing. There's cynicism. There's negative thoughts. There's how about feeling bad? Just the feeling bad that you're having these thoughts on top of it. And women unfairly or really disproportionately get affected by this because there's also that expectation for women to help others versus men who the traditional male role says provide for yourself and provide for your family. Women are more expected to help everyone, which is why sometimes they fall into the more empathetic, pressured category. I think there's another element too that we could explore just around the whole burnout challenge, and that's around innovation. There's such a need for us to digitally transform our companies and our processes and our customer experiences to continually solve problems and learn how to solve the problems of today with new thinking. And there's just so much coming at us so fast and things are changing so rapidly. Do you see any connection between burnout and innovation? 
Absolutely. I think it's almost impossible to not see it because innovation and burnout at their core are both caused from change. And what's really distinct on it is whether we're going to embrace the change, want the change, acknowledge the change, pursue the change, accept the change. Or if we're going to say, no, I said I would be like this and I'm going to be like this. No, I'm not going to change. I've got to be this legacy person that does this and that. No, I cannot get off the path that I'm on or the habits that I'm in or the boundaries I didn't set. And I can't do it for myself. Or if I change, that means I couldn't hack it. And it's so wild because again, innovation and burnout, it's all stemming from change. But what's very different is the perspective on it. With innovation and with burnout, I'm a big believer that we have to honor that change is also loss. And when we innovate, we lose something. And sometimes that can be scary, especially in a world that is losing a lot. We lose the way things are, the way things were. How about the people and the relationships we've had with them? And when you burn out, it does force the hand a bit. You could stay in the dark night of the soul. You could stay in the pit of despair. But especially for high performers, that's never an option. That was never an option to begin with. But it doesn't mean that we don't go through the valleys on the way to be something better and something different, something that's more meaningful to us. Because when you think about innovation and burnout, in the research I've done with especially Fortune 500 companies, what I found is that when you have a really strong innovation pipeline, when you have this forward thinking culture, ideas, products, services, industry, which by the way is what the world demands. So kudos, kudos to you being the innovation expert, Deb. You're talking about what people should be thinking about. And if they don't, 10 years from now, it's going to be urgent. When you have this conversation and you look at innovation through this lens, you look at burnout and innovation through just change, we have to honor that there's always going to be low points. And it's what we do in those lulls. It's what we do in those hard times, in the deserts of creativity, of our mind, of relationships. It's what we do there that can make or break. It can stay on budget or go over budget. And it can fuse us together, especially for legacy employees. Happy legacy employees are the highest value currency in the working world today. People who understand you, people who've been with you a while, people who have embraced the change and have still stayed on loving the ride. They're worth their weight in gold. I love what you just said there. I hadn't thought of it that way. Thinking of your happy legacy employees as a valuable currency, that's quite a mindset shift. Especially in my world, we're always looking at what's new and what's next. But I think you make a really amazing point that we need to honor the past and honor what we've left behind as we're moving forward. And those people who are committed to continue along the ride with you, oh my goodness, how valuable is that? You know, we've been talking about the challenge and how it's all around us and how it shows up in different ways, whether you know, you're a woman or not, whether you're dealing with things in your family, your personal life, professional life, career, innovation initiatives. But I did something a little bit different in preparing for this episode. I asked some equipment finance industry leaders, if they had a chance to talk with you, what would they ask you? <laughs> and so I want to just throw a few of those questions to you. Leaders who are actually in the midst of intense digital transformation initiatives, 
These are the types of questions that they are asking. So first of all, how should a high performer who is suffering from burnout balance their desire to perform at that high level with the need to care for themselves? I love that people are close enough with you and feel safe enough to actually even broach this because it's fascinating. The Wall Street Journal recently did a study and they partnered with Harvard Medical School and they asked senior leaders about burnout. And 96% of senior leaders feel somewhat burned out and a third of them describe it as extreme. And Deborah, 11% told someone about it. So the fact that the mirage of leadership is perfection and almost stoicism and eternal strength. I mean, y'all, the world has gone boggle, right? No one is the same from 2020. I think one common myth we have is this changed everything. And yes, but the problems or the stressors or the challenges, I think what it did is it actually sanded things down. It made us all a little bit more raw. So when we talk about high performers suffering from burnout and leaders wanting to perform at burnout and still have that high level, what I know we all can do is ask a very serial question, but an important one. And I challenge folks, I say, what are your values? Values can be complicated. Values, because I live in the South, it sounds like, what are your values? Live, laugh, love. What are your values? Friends, family, faith. And I'm not knocking any of that. Please let me be clear. But I am saying that if you tell me you value friends, family, faith, I have an ultimate follow-up question for you. Where do you spend your money and your time? You tell me what your values are and where you spend your money and your time. Show me. Because, Deborah, I can't say friends, family, faith, and my calendar be full only with meetings and no family dinners, no Zoom nights, movie nights. I can't cancel on the family reunion. I can't not be in a pew or whatever other religious congregation I belong to. If friends, family, faith doesn't matter to you, all right, you've got to have your own set of values. But as high performers, being a hard worker, that's just an action. That might be an ethos, but that's not your values. Why are you working so hard? Where did you learn that success means suffering? Who do you know? If you have someone in your circle, if, and if you don't, you need to get it. Who do you know that is succeeding and enjoying their success and their life. High performers, I want to shout you out because I love us. We're in a really cool crew. We stretch among many generations. We come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. But at the core of it, I don't tell you what to think. My job as a burnout expert and as a leader is to help you focus on what to think on and give you questions to think about. What do I value? Where do I spend my money and time? do I need to adjust accordingly? You, you mentioned earlier, only 11% of all those leaders who feel burnout actually told someone about it. But if we're suffering from burnout as an employee, as a team member, like how do we take the steps to reach out and discuss it with someone? Curiosity is a great way to start a conversation where you don't know where your footing is. So asking leaders, if you're unsure of A, if you'll get support, B, if your leader will judge you, C, all the other stories, by the way, we make up for people in our heads before actually testing it. You might go to them and say, hey, let me ask you 
you ever, you ever struggle with burnout? Let me ask you, how do you balance your time? I'm, and you can admit I'm struggling with time management. I'm seeing this boundary bleeds, right? Depending on your relationship, I would say you can start, of course, with yourself by saying yes and no to things. By making your leader aware, a lot of times at the core of burnout, of course, is change, but it's change in the people we serve, like clients in that relationship. A lot of times the cause at work can be change in leadership or in interpersonal relationships at work. And then, of course, change in ourselves. But here's the thing, if your clients are burning you out, if that is the main source of your turnover triggers or your burnout feelings, well, then start making it aware of what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. Like, I can say yes to this. But that means I would have to say no to this, or that means that I would have to delay this project until this time, because everything comes at a cost. Burnout flames grow very strong when you present at work like someone with no limits. And that's just not true. We all have limits. And by the way, our limits are constantly changing. If the baby's up all night, my limit changes. I've had an intense discussion with a family member. If I'm still grieving my dad who passed away a couple of years ago. For anyone out there listening who is grieving the loss of someone or something, even an identity that they really cared about, you can always sit by me on the bench of longing and missing and love. But for anyone in this club, you know that you walk around and there is the veil of grief. And sometimes the veil of grief will make you burst out in the car when a favorite song comes on. And sometimes the veil of grief will make you overwork and outperform and make the person proud and everything in between. Because that's the good thing and bad thing. Burnout, like grief, is very personal. There's not a one-size-fits-all model. That's where that curiosity, that courageousness, that empathy. I like what I call stacking yeses. It's where I say, Deborah, you and I are having a great conversation. Yes. And I say, Deborah, you ca- yeah, you care about me as a person. Yes. And then I might say, Deborah. I need help, but I'm worried about you judging me as weak. Or I need support here, but I'm worried this will jeopardize a promotion. And can you help me? Yes. And what that does is it allows this beautiful transformation of not only trust and closeness and vulnerability, but it allows the leader the opportunity to help. And y'all, I am a big believer. You cannot be that down. You cannot be mad. You cannot be sad when you are helping someone else. It really is true. And I believe that we've got to trust our leaders and organizations. We have to trust them again. And we have to trust that if we ask, they will. What a beautiful tool that you just shared with us. Sometimes people might not realize or recognize that they need help. And so if you're a leader, how can you identify burnout among your team members? And then how would you recommend that a leader address that? Yeah, there's a lot of different definitions in terms of burnout, as I mentioned. But what I would say is look out for the folks that are quote unquote, not acting like themselves for at least a prolonged period. A couple days is enough for me because I'm an over-communicative leader. I'd rather over-communicate with my team instead of under and assume that everything's fine. I've had leaders most of the time give me a ton of autonomy, which I appreciated. I like coloring outside the lines. I like making my own decisions. 
But one thing I wish that was very different was the amount that they checked in on me, right? It's like that phrase, check on your strong friends. The strong team members, quote unquote, when they start diverting off the path of the woods, checking in with them, I think more consistently is smart. Major business schools will tell you once a week check-in. To me, when you're going through really difficult stages of life, there's no need to have a rule for it. You see something, you say something. And that might be the first step. When you see someone acting, quote unquote, a little different or off or whatever, I would ask, number one, what are your expectations of that person? Number two, is that expectation consistently realistic? Our best is different on every single day. So if that person isn't the person who's rah, rah in the meeting or who's signing up for all these extra volunteer things, you know what? Is that reasonable or is it totally okay? You're just pushing your own expectations of high performance onto them. We have so much influence over the folks that we come into contact with. I would never want to disappoint my leader, which is why I had no boundaries to speak of. That's why I was just working and I was working more and being less productive. By trying to discuss the undiscussable a little bit, instead of asking what's going on with you, which is, of course, every HR person listening out there is no, never say that. But I've heard leaders say that more times than I can count. What's going on with you? What's wrong? That puts the onus on the person who's maybe struggling. You might think that they're burning out. Instead, say, you know what? There's been a lot of change going on lately. Is anything changing for you? Has anything changed for you? And then asking the flip side, what has stayed the same? Asking the values question, asking what they're enjoying about their work. I'm a big believer in making a list of the favorite things that I'm doing, the least favorite things I'm doing, the things I'm really good at, the things I'm not so good at. In addressing that, I would say every six months as a team, at a minimum, we all go through these evolutions. And as a leader, it's your job to identify and support people through their evolution with confidence, with trust. I'm not just growing professionals here. I'm helping people grow as people because we exhibit leadership in a lot of different ways that people take with them. They take them with them to their next job if and when they leave. By the way, jobs aren't marriage with prenups. They're not supposed to stay forever. I think that's a big shift in the mindset of leaders. We talk about innovation. What does it look like to have the best three to five year relationship of your life? Have you held up the mirror recently? Because we are humans, we learn treatment that's allowed is the treatment that continues. When you think about yourself, have you held up the mirror and said, am I exhibiting and perpetuating burnout culture? Do I have unrealistic expectations? By the way, am I pushing my burnout onto other people? In the animated movie, 101 Dalmatians, there's a scene that I remember Corella DeVille is maniacally driving down the road and she's got these swirls in her eyes and her hair is all frazzled. I resonated with that demonic woman at the end of my burnout journey. The vision kept coming up. It turns out my employees weren't stupid. My employees weren't underperforming. My team members were not worthy of distrust. It was me. So make sure you've got that mirror held up. I think that is such an important point. As leaders, it starts with us and really raising that self-awareness. The Cruella DeVille story, I can relate to. I was particularly overwhelmed and burned out. And my husband still teases me about it today because I did the Cruella de Vil into the snowbank in our driveway. <laughs> you can imagine that scene. <laughs> yeah. A thousand percent. And you know, I love that you share that because 
Deborah, knowing you, you're so calm and cool and collected. And that just goes to show that being pushed to our levels looks so different, can come at any time. And so many times, burnout is deeply isolating and it's deeply private. And even the people closest to us, my husband did not know, I don't know if yours was like this, but my husband had no clue I was burning out until I called him and I was like, I just quit my job. And he was like, great, you hated that place. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, I just started to notice that. I was like, I've been miserable for months. And when you allow yourself, at least that like that wake up call, I'll tell you, it gets very scary. If you ignore the flames of burnout, it can quickly engulf your professional life, your personal life, your health tragedies. I have goosebumps talking about it, but people I've interviewed, the cancer diagnosis, your mother passes away. You take the trip you shouldn't take, right? Say, no, maybe I'll retire, but no, maybe I'll take this one last work trip and they die in a car crash, which is, I can't tell you, maybe 50 stories for my book. I interviewed people and that was how someone loved someone with burnout and they did not make it out the other side. Uh, it burn out just like happiness. It's an inside job for yeah. sure. And it's so crucial that we get a handle on this and really increase our skills for dealing with it. Because as you said, it's different for everyone. But also I think a key point you made is as humans, we're continually evolving and our needs and our ability to handle these things changes by the day. You never know what the story is on the other side of the screen that you might be talking to, or if you're in person, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes that could be impacting someone and high performers show up, no negative to everybody else. Think you can carry it all. And that's just not sustainable forever. I have one last question that came from an industry leader, and this is somebody who's leading innovation in a large company. And it's, it is on that more personal level, but I think as professionals, we can all identify with this, no matter what our role, when you're feeling burned out, like, how do you get to the root cause of it? Is it the company you're with something that's outside of your control or could it be like a self-inflicted challenge, maybe just a degraded sense of worth or purpose? Do you have any ideas for helping people even figure it out? Yeah, totally. A lot of times in a corporate environment, you'll hear people blame their clients or the people they serve for burning them out. Other times it's my new boss or this person in the other department, and that's who's grinding them down. Other times, the clients are great. The, the team members are good. You're supported, but you don't feel good. I would say being curious, number one, on what is burning out your team. What are my expectations as a leader with influence? What are my expectations on success? What do I think success looks like? Is it possible that what I want for others is not what they want for themselves? That's a huge one. When you get to the root cause, I think a lot of times you're going to find it in those three questions, especially that last one. When you think about people going after goals or reaching for success, a lot of times it's because someone's told them that's what they should do. And I was that person myself when I got promoted to that corner office and that C-suite executive, I thought I've made it. I've arrived. My parents were thrilled. I was winning all these awards. Things were great. And I was miserable because you know what? I'm not made for the C-suite. I'm made to advise it, but I'm not made for 
hiring and firing people, not a favorite part of mine. Strategy, I love all day long. I love talking with folks. I love coaching folks and helping develop them. But when it came to a lot of the sides of that business, I was just told I should want this immense success. And that actually hurt me. And so when you get to the root cause, a lot of times, yes, it's going to come from your organizational culture, but also to supporting people through that range of best leading by example that happiness matters, so you can be happy and successful. And when you're getting to the root cause, acknowledge that burnout oftentimes is not a one-time thing, not a one-size-fits-all thing, that the goal here is not to never feel the flame of burnout. It's to honor it when you start to feel the heat and turn in a different direction. Looking back, I knew I could not do this for myself, working with organizations now, I help them identify what people perceive as burning them out. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. Our brains are funny like that. But when you perceive something is burning you out, that is the truth. And it's my job as a leader. It's your job as a leader. It's all of our privilege as humans on planet earth to say, if I can help, I will help. If I can support you in this change, I will support you in this change. When you're getting to the root cause, we have to believe what people say because it might be hard to hear at first that something is not good. And I've seen a lot of strategic conversations go sideways when we care more about defending something than helping someone. That's really deep. The big thing that I'm taking away from your remarks is we can't completely avoid burnout because it's just a part of life. But we can learn how to recognize that when we're feeling the heat of burnout, there are strategies for how we can navigate it and adjust our direction so that we don't flame out. That is so valuable, especially in the crazy world that we're living in today. One last question, and this is something that I ask everyone, what can leaders do today to shape their tomorrow? When I listen and read your column, Deborah. This is one of my favorite questions. So thank you for asking because in today's world, I feel like so much is out of our control. <laughs> so bringing it back to what can we do? I would truly encourage leaders to value happiness and know that happiness leads to increased success. The University of California did a study in 2008 and revisited in 2018, and it asked, does success make you happy, or does happiness make you successful? And the data across every industry they research, thousands and thousands of people, is happiness is a precursor to success. Happy NBA players, those big smiles, Steph Curry and LeBron James, they score more points. Happy insurance salespeople, they sign more policies, make more money. How about happy people are promoted more? They're given raises more. They're more liked by their coworkers. There's all these correlations between happiness and success. And the beautiful third wheel that the researchers didn't see coming is that when you're happy and you're more successful, you're more generous. You give more. And when you give to others, it makes you happier which makes you more successful. And that is the cycle I believe everyone, especially leaders, should be going for. Model that happiness 
and success. Not I'm going to be happy when I retire. Not I'm going to be happy when we reach the end of this major launch and project. Not I'm going to be happy when I upgrade my house and I upgrade my spouse and I upgrade all this other stuff. No. Be happy and enjoy the success at the same time. I've just loved getting to hang out with you. I think really together, all of us can change the world through meaning and impactful work. And thanks for the opportunity to chat. Thank you so much. I think you nailed it. We're going to end on that high note. Let's be happy and successful. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really enjoyed today's conversation between Deb and Rachel, and I hope that you did too. I wanted to highlight a few of my biggest takeaways from this conversation. First, only 11% of people who feel burned out tell someone. Not only is this unhealthy for the people experiencing burnout, it's bad for organizations as well. If you are a leader, keep your eyes open for the signs of burnout and be sure that your team members know that they can reach out to you when they're feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Two, innovation and burnout are connected. When you're innovating, change is inevitable. That can be very uncomfortable, messy, and uncertain at times. When, what happens during low points during the innovation process matters, and knowing that the pit of despair will pass is the key to making it to the other side. Last, the signs of burnout are different for men and women. Since women tend to handle more unpaid work like caregiving, they're much more susceptible to caregiver fatigue, which can lead to resentment and negative thoughts. If you know that women or men on your team are dealing with stressful situations outside of the office, support them in any way that you can and help them avoid burnout. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. We'll see you next week.